Hey. Out on an Island episode interview series. <laughs> it is 27. Alicia's right. I, I specifically had to have this counted out for me before we started recording today, and I still fucked it up. <laughs> uh, you can't fuck anything up. It's our show. We, uh, we make the rules. <laughs> oh, that's so punk. Um, <laughs> anyway, today uh, we got a cool interview going on. We're interviewing Matthew Donnert. He's a nutrition coach. He's a drummer. He's all kinds of things. Hi, Matt. Hey, how's it going? Thank you guys so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, no, thank you for being here on our little little podcast. Yeah, absolutely. I've been enjoying them so far. I'm a fan. Oh, oh thank, thank you. you. <laughs> that would be really <laughs> awkward if you weren't. <laughs> <laughs> True. <laughs> Cool. So, Matt, do you want to start with telling us just a little bit about yourself and what you do? Yeah. So, my name's Matt. I grew up on the Big Island. Diz and I have been friends for a really long time. I guess the majority of our lives at this point. Yeah. Isn't that weird yeah. and gross feeling and strange, but also really cool? <laughs> I think it's cool. I'm yeah. Honestly, it's cool. Um, yeah. I played drums in a couple bands. I lived on the Big Island for a long time. I live in San Diego now. I play drums in a couple bands here in town. I play in a band called Therapy. And I play in a band called The Passengers. And um, wait, therapy from the famous therapy, like we, therapy, therapy SD on Instagram. Oh yeah, therapy SD. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I play drums for that band. Not therapy with a question mark. We get questions about that all the time. There's an old Irish band with the same name, and people give a shit all the time. Oh. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> there was actually a really funny Instagram kind of run in with them where somebody tagged the other therapy in one of our posts and was like hey there's another therapy you know like you should know about them and the much more famous therapy than us responded and was like oh yeah we know about these guys they're really great you should check out their song menace oh, it's a great song. Nice. you know i just like knew about us and like had listened to some of the music and enjoyed it so it was like really cool to just be like that's right <laughs> stop telling us we can't have this name because the band who originally has that name doesn't give a shit you know so neither should you that's... there's also got to be five thousand therapies in the world maybe i mean yeah. like it's a one didn't word know that other band existed when we chose the name but it is what it is that's like super punk and awesome like how supportive that's yeah really it great. was really cool i was really like that was kind of a relief for all of us because we've dealt with that question a lot and there would always be somebody who was just like you know there's already a therapy and it's like, yeah, we don't know, but I mean, we know, but we just don't care, you know, like whatever. But yeah, I play in a couple of bands here in town and uh, also I've been doing some work here for myself just as a nutritionist, a nutrition coach, helping people reach their kind of health and longevity goals. And just been really diving into that a lot the past couple of years while also just playing music and hanging out and enjoying the San Diego weather, surfing a lot again recently. And yeah, that's kind of me in a nutshell. That's awesome. awesome. Yeah. How did you get involved with, with like health and fitness and becoming like a nutrition coach? So for me, I was not the healthiest guy growing up. I was always a pretty scrawny kid. My nickname was Tubby for years and years. Yeah. For me, I started kind of delving into health and fitness in my mid twenties. I had just moved to California. It's kind of new in town didn't really have much of a social life yet. And that led me to kind of just being at home a lot, not moving a lot, being pretty unhealthy, eating a lot of fast food. You know, in Hawaii, 
I lived so far away from town that having fast food was like a rarity, you know, yeah. like going into town and having like Jack in the Box was such a like a special treat, which sounds so funny to say. I moved and to we California. have some of the best fast food like in the <laughs> entire country because I don't know why our our fast food chains are crack. Like, yeah, it's true. All the little local drive-ins and stuff are so good. And then here in San Diego, you have all these great like uh, Mexican places on the corner and all this stuff. And I ended up living next to like a, just a ton of fast food. All this stuff is so accessible here in California where I just walk down the street and get Taco Bell or get Jack in the Box or get a California burrito or something, you know, and it just kind of led me to not really feeling very good. And I was kind of in a, I would say a, I wouldn't say a dark place, but I just wasn't really feeling like myself. And I decided to try to make some changes with my diet and with just like exercising and moving around. And I made a lot of bad choices. I did a lot of stuff that I just hated doing because I thought that's what you had to do to be in shape. You know, that's what, that's what I thought you had to do to be a healthy person. And I kind of put myself through a lot of things that like now I know were totally unnecessary. And you know, I just did a lot of trial and error into like getting into a place where I felt healthy and felt good and energized and all these things. And as I got deeper and deeper into it, I just was really interested in it. And, you know, years went by where I was, you know, now working out pretty frequently, eating pretty well and had like studied a lot about it just on my own through like reading articles or going on YouTube. And I, it just kind of became this weird obsession of mine not an obsession but just I was just really interested in it and my girlfriend was over visiting one day during COVID during the lockdown and we were just going to go on YouTube to watch some like dumb fail videos or something just to kill some time mm -hmm. and she looked at my like suggested videos and it was all nutrition health or fitness related and she's like this is what you're watching on YouTube I was like <laughs> yeah I just kind of like this stuff and like I genuinely just like enjoy learning about that stuff on my spare time. And she was like, do you ever just think about trying to do that as like work or something? Cause you know, I've always just been heavily, heavily invested into music and bands. And my job was always just a means to an end to support playing music. And so I could get to a place where I could work for myself, work from home, do something that's very fulfilling and helps people while also having time to play music, go surfing, kind of make my own schedule. I just thought that would be like the dream, kind of a win-win. Yeah, sure. so that kind of started me down the path of like getting certifications, getting more like functional knowledge and like, you know, useful, like, uh, I guess, yeah, certified. What, what would you, I don't know, man. Yeah, <laughs> certifications are important. Um mm -hmm. And so who are some of your favorite YouTubers? Like I like, I only know Simon Miller from wrestling, but the space feels really like lacking in women's voices, I guess. Mm, um, like who? Yeah, there's that one dude. Oh, Greg, whatever his name is. He has a cookbook. I know he has a cookbook because Simon Miller's in it. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> So one of my favorite guys is this dude, his name's Derek Simnet, and he's this Canadian, like, vegan calisthenics dude. And, like, when I started working out, I had this huge, like, gym phobia. I never wanted anybody to see me working out or know that I was working out. I was very timid about it. And mm -hmm. so push-ups and pull-ups and things like this that I could do in my room was, like, my bread and butter. That's what I like to do. And I also, like, when 
you know, learning more about food and trying to get healthier. During those years, I actually was vegetarian and vegan now. And that was another kind of linchpin in me learning more about food because, you know, you, there's always those stigmas around veganism, like how do you eat your protein? You're going to be deficient in something, this and that. And, you know, I was feeling really good eating this way. And I wanted to really learn the facts of like why I was feeling well and why this, this was working for me, you know? And so that was another like big part of me learning more about it was because I had done this kind of vegan transition and wanted to do it right. And wanted to kind of like prove people wrong in a way it's like, I can be healthy and, you know, build muscle and all this stuff and be vegan, which I feel like is kind of a stigma that you can't do that on that diet, you know? Sure. How long did it take you to get over your gym phobia? I know that you spend some time in the gym now. It took a while. Like for even when I was working out at home, like if my roommate would come home, I'd stop. Like (laughs) I had one of those door pull-up bars. So the door had to be open. So like if you were in the kitchen, you could see me if you had the corner of your eye and like, I don't know, it was, it was just such a phobia for me. And I got to a point where I felt like I had kind of gotten the most I could out of just working out in my bedroom. So I did have interest in going to the gym. And so I went to Planet Fitness, which is very accessible. Um, They have a lot of machines and they're very cheap. And I had to go, (laughs) this is so embarrassing. I had to go three times before I actually work up the courage to walk inside the door and just look around. Like I I went to the parking lot and I saw these like three very fit people coming in. I was like, this place is not for me. This is, I can't, you know, like I just had a legit feeling of like, this is, I don't belong here kind of feeling like, I don't know. It was. It's really cool that you overcame that though. And like, I don't think it's embarrassing at all. Like talk about the courage that that took to like, keep showing up, you know, like, and actually make it through the door and start on that. That's props to you. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm really glad I did it. And I, you know, looking back now, there was like, obviously, it's just one of those things you build up in your head, you know, and it's like, going back and looking at it now, it's like, it's kind of funny. But at the time, it was a very real feeling, you know, and breaking that down and going, it was so worth it, because it's so not a big deal. Nobody cares what you're doing. And I think that it's, it's, yeah, just something you totally build up in your head. And most of my interactions with other people have been very positive in the gym, whether it's somebody like giving me a fist bump, like, Hey, good set. I was like, Oh, thank you. (laughs) And then, or just like somebody just being really positive, like, you know, really like somebody I'll ask some random dude for tips. Like I have the courage to be like, Hey, you know, what's your opinion on this exercise? Do you think I could do it better? And like people are, you know, usually if you go up to the very fit person who would, you would normally be intimidated by, those are usually the people that are really happy to help because that's like their favorite thing to talk about and do, you know? So um, although those people can be very intimidating, the very fit people in the gym, they're usually the nicest people and the ones that are just very accepting of the fact that maybe you're not, you know, maybe not look like a, a total gym goer. You're maybe not somebody who's in super good shape, but they recognize that they were there at one point too. And they have just respect for the people that just show up and are trying to work on themselves, you know? Yeah. Everybody uh, has a day one. Yeah. yeah totally. I'm sure they're just like pumped with endorphins all the time because they're just working <laughs> out all the time. So they're probably just <laughs> genuinely happier people, just like, you know, on a biological level. <laughs> so I have two questions for you, Matt, before we kind of get more into our conversation here. 
First, can you tell us who your certification is through? So I have a few. The first one I went through was through Precision Nutrition, which is kind of like the, like if you were to just Google nutrition certification, that's going to be the biggest one that pops up. And so it was very like dense, very informationally dense. Like they just send you like three thick books. You read through them each chapter, you go online, you take a test and there's not really a ton of human interaction, but just a ton of information. And I learned a lot from it. But by the end of it, I finished it and it was like, you're certified. And I was like, I haven't even spoken to one person, you know, (laughs) I definitely felt the like imposter syndrome of like, just supposed to go out and do this now. Like that sounds very intimidating. And then I found this other company called NCI, which is the Nutritional Coaching Institute. And they had another certification and theirs for you in order for you to be certified, you had to work with people and you had to submit all of your work, all of your reasoning, everything that you did with these people over three months to an actual professional who does this and they would review it, make sure everything you did was correct. And so there was a ton of application in that in that certification, which I feel like a lot of time we get just bombarded with information. And it's one thing to have the information, but being able to apply that information is a whole different ball game, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's what that certification like built up a lot of confidence in me of being like, Hey, I can, I can work with people. I've done it. I've showed it to somebody who is good at this. And they, you know, gave me my notes and gave me feedback. And they're like, Hey, this looks really great. Blah, blah, blah. You're certified, you know? So that was the one that really like made me feel comfortable, like putting myself out there and feeling like I could actually pull it off, you know? Totally. Yeah. My second question too is from like a, you know, cause the way that you're going about building this career is like very DIY, which is awesome. You're doing all the work, you're doing all the studying. And for anybody who's interested in pursuing a career in nutrition, what is the affordability? You know, I mean, is it pretty doable? I mean, compared to like going to school or something like that, it's much more affordable for just mm-hmm. going for a certification or something. I'm sure the prices have changed. It's been a couple of years since I started like studying this stuff. So I don't know if things have gotten more expensive, but it's usually a couple grand for a course or somewhere around there, you know, where it's like, it's an investment for sure. But if you think that there's, you know, success on the other side of it, or just the confidence to pursue that thing you want to do, I think it's totally worth it. And I've learned so much and it's been really, yeah, super, super life-changing as far as just like giving me the, the confidence to just kind of pursue this, which was kind of just a kind of a pipe dream prior to just like going for it, you know? Yeah. When you earlier mentioned your YouTube history of all your fitness videos and stuff, uh, and you were saying, you know, I, I kind of got obsessed. I think the word that that actually is, is passionate. I think that you just found something you're genuinely passionate about, which is very 100%. cool. Yeah. As far as passionate, like there was a moment in my life, like when I started playing drums where it just, that was a huge change in my life where I just like it was the first thing I was actually good at like I grew up surfing I grew up skating and I was all right I could do it but I wasn't like exceptional at it and when I started playing drums not that I'm like the best drummer in the world or anything but I I saw a lot of improvement on the time that I invested into it like I I felt like I was kind of a natural at it you know Mm -hmm. and I was very focused and very driven to get better at drums and I never really felt like it that way about anything else until I kind of discovered this like nutrition science stuff I just really nerd out on it and really enjoy it I love that yeah (laughs) and like that actually 
is a great segue into what, so how did you get into punk? Like, did you, like, did drumming take you to punk or did you get into drumming from punk? Like, what is that connection? I definitely got into drumming from punk. So I always think it's so funny how people find out about punk in Hawaii, which I would love yeah. to hear your story sometime, Diz, because I feel like I'm so lucky to have stumbled upon it, you know, because it's so funny living here in California. Like, I'll go to an all-ages show and I'll see, like, a 10-year-old with a discharge back patch. And I'm like, I didn't even know about that band until I was, like, 20-something, you know, because Hawaii's so secluded and kind of, like, it's so much harder to find out about that stuff out there that I feel so lucky that I was able to stumble upon punk in Hawaii, you know? Yeah, and I mean, you know, when we were coming up, too, like, it's not like you could just download music, you know? It's not like the world was really there yet. It was a lot of burn CDs and Mm -hmm. a lot of, like, resource pooling, which is really interesting that you did mention, like, we don't really know this story about each other having known each other for, like, more than half our lives and having met in the punk rock scene here it's really what i'm i guess what i'm getting at is it's really interesting that like once like punk rock was like a thing for you here nobody even questioned why that was they were just excited to find somebody else who was also into punk rock totally and you know seeing 10 year old kids with discharge patches and stuff like in california like it's like oh you got cool ass parents because your parents grew up in california and lived through like real those bands actually maybe not discharge but like bands actually tour through town you know what yeah. I mean you hear about a band because they came to your town and played which was never the case in Hawaii you know yeah yeah, yeah. I grew up in Vegas and so we had a, we had a lot of bands come through especially from the new school punk scene and we did a lot of resource pooling too and research like one of the stories I've told before is that you know we used to read who the inspirations for bands that we liked were and then like go out and like buy those like by mail order catalog or some shit you know and like give them a listen and you know that's that's one way to find new music and then we also had a thriving local punk scene how did you get into the punk scene in in hawaii let me see (laughs) yeah how does it happen a long time ago (laughs) um well first just like punk just first in general like i was lucky to have i have an older sister she's like six years older than me and she grew up with us in hawaii but we have uh different dads so when she was about 14 or 15 probably getting the timeline wrong but she went and lived on the East Coast with her dad. And so she would come and visit on summer break or Christmas. And she'd always come back and like, she knew about all the cool stuff, you know? So I think I was probably like eight or nine years old when she came back. I think that makes sense with the timeline. She came back and she left uh, Dookie by Green Day. And she left Dude Branch by Blink for me and my brother. And those two CDs were just on repeat for like the year. And I remember like, those are uh, just another thing to like think about how much in the dark Hawaii is to punk Mm -hmm. at the time. Those are huge albums out here in California, out here on the mainland. Like Dookie was a transformational album. Like uh, Dude Ranch was a very big album for Blink and in Hawaii, nobody knew either of those things. And so I've already felt that feeling of like, nobody knows what this is and it's super cool. And I really like that, you know, like that feeling of punk where it's like, there's this whole scene that feels like exclusive and like you feel like you're a part of something you know what I mean and like I remember being on the bus listening to one of those CDs and one of the like local girls on the bus took my headphones off and and put it on and she was just like 
disgusted by it you know <laughs> and I remember just thinking that was so cool <laughs> just like I was just hooked you know and then I think the next time my sister visited she left a copy of Punkorama volume two which kind of opened the door to like the whole epitaph yeah. scene of that kind of like little more underground but also on that that compilation of Poison Idea was on that comp and TSOL was on that compilation and so those were bands I really loved growing up and were kind of the start of me digging into the like 80s punk scene the 80s hardcore stuff which is like you know that's my favorite type of punk or my favorite like you know era is that early 80s bad brains and mdc and minor Mm -hmm. threat and all that good stuff you know yeah yeah that was i mean for anybody listening who doesn't have any idea about the Hawaii scene because why the fuck would you that was pretty much the basis of like punk rock for everybody it was like growing up in Hawaii and growing up in the Hawaii punk rock scene was like living in like 1985 because that music was yeah. still brand new you know yeah. the circle jerks all of that kind of stuff was just like everybody was still excited about that you know and by that time like I remember particularly like being so in love with social distortion and like yeah. thinking that Mike Ness was so cool and then <laughs> You know, like as soon as like Sean guys had moved out to California, it was immediately just like that guy's a loser. I beat that guy up in a club once, you know, and like you just saw how jaded the rest of the world was to this thing that was like so Mm -hmm. priceless to us, you know. Yeah, there was those few years in Hawaii where there was that like kind of thriving young punk scene. And like we were kids, we're like 15 years old. And like I remember those years so fondly. And when you think back, it was only like a year and a half or two years that that lasted. Those were mm-hmm. super important times of just like getting into punk and playing shows and finding out about new bands. I remember, you know, like you were saying with kind of having to be resourceful and like somebody would get a burn CD and then it would just kind of travel around the island. And I remember the first time somebody, I don't know who it was, but somebody found out about the pissed. And yeah. it became like, it just spread like wildfire. And then everybody knew the pissed was, and it was like everybody's favorite band that summer. And it was like, I still love that band, but I just like, it's just was one of those things where it's like, unless you had a good internet connection, which was hard to come by in Hawaii, yeah. especially if you're living out in Pune, um, like I was. And like, there was a long time where I just didn't really have the internet and like, you know, just, you just had what was out there or like what you could find at borders which was usually not a lot of stuff you know what I mean so mm-hmm. you would just even then like you didn't have the internet to go and look up is this the type of like cd that I want to buy you just kind of judge by the cover you know yeah yeah I remember you know going to Oahu and like going to Ala Moana where there was like a tower records was a big fucking deal because like yeah. we didn't really even have like cd stores on the island at that point And I remember, like, you know, what you're saying about Blink-182 and stuff like that, like, the way that I got into punk rock was, you know, same thing, the, those bands at that time, Blink-182, The Offspring and stuff, but I was Mm. reading the thanks on their CD jackets to find bands, Mm. and uh, I found Minor Threat that way, you know, and then it was just all over from there, pretty much, like, I realized what I was listening to sucked, and I liked this heavier music so much more but yeah it's so that's really interesting though you know because like those couple years that we had in the punk rock scene here really were this DIY like phenomenon that happened because we built that scene collectively as kids you know what I mean like Mm -hmm. everybody who wanted to be involved like 
learned how to play instruments you know Mm -hmm. there were so many bands for how few kids were in the scene here and uh you know most of those bands were just interchangeable bands but like it was it was pretty wild you know and not to mention like just the DIY spirit here was like real like because we had to do everything from the ground up and like find music and like even we didn't have a hot topic until you know way way later <laughs> like yeah, I was yeah. probably like 15 or 16 by the time you know we got the first hot topic on the island so like even punk rock fashion was like everybody made their own clothes everybody mm-hmm. And it was just a really remarkable thing to see. And so in terms of like, you know, that DIY spirit, like, do you accredit that kind of like confidence that that instilled in you and just being able to take a step into being like, you know what, like, I think I can be a nutrition coach. Like, I think that, or I mean, you know, anything in life, like, do you Mm -hmm. accredit growing up in that scene for like the confidence to just do things? Because I definitely do. 100%. Yeah. I think growing up, playing punk on the big island and skateboarding teach you a lot about failure (laughs) (laughs) and how like you know what I mean like not everybody's gonna like what you're doing like there wasn't a ton of like there's a ton of uh skate parks on the big island now but there wasn't when I was growing up and you know just skateboarding in general you eat shit a lot you get bumps and bruises a lot just for a trick you know and like there will be days that are bad. There'll be days that are good. And same thing with like punk, like you go out and play a show. Sometimes everybody would hate it. And I just like, there's a part of me that still kind of embraces that feeling. And it's something that doesn't bother me at all. Like from an on stage point, like there's, mm-hmm. I'm sure you've experienced this Diz, where you're on stage in Hawaii, you play some sort of punk, you're in a punk band, you play something and people are just bummed out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah (laughs) and uh, and we definitely experienced that a lot I think within our scene it was very supportive and awesome but as you know that scene kind of grew older and and dissipated there was a lot of like shows that we would play just like at the rec center with like some reggae bands or something and we'd totally be the oddball and people would not be into it except for like a couple guys you know and like yeah. Just, just dealing with that, dealing with like, okay, people don't like this, but I'm going to do it anyways, because I care about it. And I am passionate about it. And I enjoy it. I think I learned that at a young age, because of punk, specifically. Totally. Yeah. We started what would be the closest thing to like this island's first and probably only crust band that ever existed. <laughs> and yeah. uh <laughs> People were not ready for that. (laughs) (laughs) Was it, was it, was it like, was it like a modern crust band or was it like crusty crust? (laughs) Oh, it was like probably somewhere in the realm of like early from Ashes Rise, like melodic crust. You know, I mean, we were, crust was brand new to us, like at that point, because this island is 10 years behind and everything so like you know in the early 2000s like when we found it like bands like nausea and stuff were still brand new to us but like you know we had never heard anything like from ashes rise or like Mm -hmm. you know any of those like more melodic like hardcore bands i think the the most comparable thing i had heard before that was f minus you know Mm -hmm. so like it was really exciting but anyway yeah 
I, I had a band with Kevin, Leah, and it, <laughs> the world, or like the world, the island, the world of the island <laughs> was fucking. I, I bet uh, you they still wouldn't be ready if you reformed that band. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Like, my partner had a similar experience growing up here where I think they were probably the only death metal band that ever existed on this island. And, like, yeah, just fucking. Yeah. Let's just say the two of us bonded on knowing what it's like to clear a fucking dance floor. For sure. And yeah, props to Jason. He played, they played in that band for a long time and yeah. they're a good band, you know, but it was just, yeah, it just was not the thing that people from Hawaii were going to latch onto. And it's unfortunate because they were talented dudes playing good music, but it just, you know, wrong place at the wrong time, you know? Yeah, totally. And like, you know, always, always will be out here uh, unless like, you can skank to it. I feel like you're probably not going to get very much credibility out here. You can skank to anything. Just that's true. <laughs> I mean, in the same way that like you can dance to no music, but <laughs> it's not always you're going to look crazy. So I have a question. So we all know, like growing up punk and stuff, it's like one of the big mindsets is like, oh, you know, the scene. <sighs> There's not a lot of great role models in the scene for health, right? And fitness. And I mean, like, Minor Threat was straight edge. There was a couple of really good influential, like, straight edge bands and stuff. But that's, like, super all or nothing. Like, what do you find are, like, the differences or, like, what are some of the clashes between the ideologies of, like, health and fitness and punk rock? Mm. Yeah, that's a good question, because I think growing up, I mean, I can't speak to any other scenes, but I think in our scene specifically, like taking care of yourself was not cool. <laughs> you know, being healthy no. was not very cool. And I think you were actively put on a pedestal if you, you if you actively didn't take care of yourself. You know, mm-hmm. if you were, you know, only had five bucks for dinner and you spent it on two forties instead of some food. You know, that was fucking cool, you know, like and I think that that mentality was kind of infused through, um, I don't know, I just think it was one of those things that it's kind of a stereotype, like punk and, you know, just kind of not caring for yourself is like a punk thing, or I don't know where this comes from, but I definitely feel like that was, I think some of it is just being young, you know, like you're out, Mm -hmm. you're able to drink, you're out able to like party and stuff like this, and it's very cool and fun and new when you're young. Um, And I think that for a lot of people, you know, coming up in our thirties and stuff now that like, yes, I still love punk. Yes. I still love going to shows. Yes. I still love having drinks with my friends, but there's also a lot of other things that are important to me and matter to me that I need to take care of myself to be able to do like Mm -hmm. playing drums. It's like, especially when I'm playing like in a band, like therapy, like it's a fucking workout. (laughs) And if I, (laughs) Um, you know, when we're out on tour and like playing, you know, 10 shows back to back, like if I'm not taking it, at least trying a little bit to take care of myself, like I feel it, you know, and, mm-hmm. and same thing with like surfing or skateboarding. It's like, I'm in my thirties now. I definitely have a couple ailments like from slamming throughout the years. And I don't want to stop doing that stuff. And, you know, you have to take some sort of preventative measure to be able to do that stuff for the long term. And that's kind of my goal is to be able to do the things that I love for as long as possible at a somewhat high level, you know? 
That's my goal too. That's yeah. why I started working out. <laughs> I mean, totally. it's... I think that's a lot of people's kind of way into it is like, you know, being young and drinking and partying, it's super fun. And at some point there are other things that kind of come into the fold that you value and you need to kind of treat yourself in a certain way to be able to do those things um, long-term, you know? So one of the big taglines that we have for this show or like one of the big, you know, focal points that we want to get across in this show is what punk rock culture looks like in an evolving world. And so like Mm. everything that we were just discussing is the exact antithesis of the live fast, die young mentality of like old for punk rock. Right. So especially this is a really great question for you, I feel like, because we have so many cool friends that we grew up with that do so many cool things now career-wise or just like are genuinely wonderful people and so like what do you see as like punk now like what is your perception of punk rock as opposed to like when we were young and everyone was just fucking drinking 40s and being idiots you know (laughs) Um, (laughs) I think my like biggest definition that I've always kind of held tried to hold true to myself is just fucking being yourself like unapologetically and as genuinely as possible regardless of how people what people are saying about you or what people might think about you I think that's like the most punk thing you could do is Mm -hmm. just to stick to your guns and do what you feel is right regardless of you know what people are saying and so I think that that kind of is applicable regardless of the times you know Mm -hmm. and I don't know. That's something that I've always felt like I've always been drawn to the kind of like nerdier punk bands. Like I was a big bad religion fan where it's like, if you looked at those guys, you're like, those guys aren't punk, but it's like, I don't know. They're just doing their thing. They, they are making the music they like to make and they're just fucking doing it and they're still doing it. And I just think like, there's something about that. That's very punk. And, you know, aside from the looks and the attitude and all this stuff, it's just kind of this willingness to be genuine and just kind of do your thing. And, you know, what I, you know what I mean? Just kind of doing what makes you happy as long as you're not being an asshole or hurting other people. Yeah, totally. I mean, we reference this a f- few times throughout the show, but there's a really good article that appeared in Forbes magazine in 2013 where they talked about how the punk rock mentality is like the mentality going forward that is going to like essentially you know yeah it's like what's needed to like make the changes that need to be seen in the world and Mm -hmm. I think like you know what you're doing with health and fitness and like especially promoting it amongst a scene that is so known for the antithesis of health and fitness is such a valuable thing and I think like you know that is punk in the evolving world is to like realize that to care about what's going on around you you have to care about yourself yeah and I guess it's probably a good time to mention that Matt is my nutrition coach (laughs) you know what I mean and I can attest to the fact that you know doing sessions with you 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 know we spend a good amount of time just talking about life you know, outside of fitness and like when you were coming up doing like your studying, was that part of it? Like, is that something that they, you know, encourage as a nutrition coach when you're moving into this field or is that just a product of who you are? I think it's a little bit of both. I think that, you know, you can just look at nutrition and exercise as this kind of side thing that you 
you either do or you don't do, but really it's all like lifestyle factors, stress, all of these things play a huge role in your goals, whether they're like just to feel better, have more energy, whatever they may be. There's a lot you can do with your nutrition and fitness to get you there. But if you're super stressed out all day at work and at home and you have all these things that are, you know, that, play, that have, takes a huge toll on your body. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. so there is a lot of emphasis on that. And so, yeah, the title of like nutrition coach kind of, I feel like kind of puts things in a box where it's like, we just talk about food and exercise, but, you know, talking about sleep, talking about um, lifestyle changes and things like that to where you can put your body in a more optimal place to just feel good. Like they're all tied together, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. My trainer, like my trainer was my nutrition coach, you know, was my therapy outside of therapy where I could like bounce ideas off people. Like it was way too intimate of a relationship than what it should have been. But Mm -hmm. at the same time, it was exactly what I needed. And now I'm looking at getting back into like nutrition and fitness training with this other place. Cause my, my trainer moved mm. and, you know, you can handle stuff on your own until you can't anymore. Right. And so I'm, I kind of need that accountability again, but if there is any one message like for punk rock folks listening, what do you want them to know about like health and fitness? For me, I think it's like, it, it can be whatever you want it to be. I think that there's a kind of thought in your head when you think of like, oh, being healthy or being fit. And it feels like you have to transform your whole life or become this whole other person to achieve it. And really like you look online, there's so much crap online. And that's why I've like put myself out there and tried to just put more realistic information. But like, you know, we're very drawn to the 90 day transformation or the 60 day cleanse or whatever it is, these like very extreme protocols that nobody can stick to for longer than X amount of time. And if, you know, if you really wanted to, anybody could do something for three months, you know, but it's like, what happens three years from now? You know, you know, like, that's kind of what I care about more like working with Diz. It's like, yeah, we could go the extreme route and do, you know, have you work out every day and eat perfectly and all these things. But it's like, that's just not fucking realistic, you know? And like, for a lot of people, I think that there's it's very black and white. And realistically, there's so much gray area in between. And really, that's where most of like the sustainable progress is made, where it's just like, make a little change that's slightly challenging for you, but you very feel very confident in doing and keep doing that until it's mindless for you, then add one more little thing, you know, and it's like thinking about your health and fitness as a long term thing, other than like just a three month thing you focus on and never have to worry about again, because that's just not how it works. You know, it's like brushing your teeth. You can't just be good about it for three months and then not worry about it again. You know, yeah. <laughs> you want to feel good long-term you, it's, it is, it's, it is kind of an upkeep type of deal, but it's also, there's so much you can get out of it. It is, I think just a very underutilized form of self-care, especially in the like punk scene and, and in just like the artists and, freaks and weirdos we tend to care a lot about other things and not take a lot of time to care about ourselves and I think if I can help people you know there's a lot of people out there doing really great work and really amazing things and putting so much into it and so much care into these projects and and all these things that like and don't take a lot of time to focus that care on themselves and I think that if you did or found a way that you could do it that fits your life 
you'd be even better at doing the things that you're very passionate about. So, you know, I'm not super educated on like, you know, there are friends of mine who are making some legitimate, like awesome changes in the world, you know, and I've never been that guy who's been smart enough or like talented enough to go out there and do that. But if I can be the person in their corner, helping them do it better, like, like the wizard casting a spell in the like D and D group of just Fuck like, yeah. all this, all they, they can't take a hit at all power yeah. and extra defense, but I'm going to stand back here and not be in the battle and just make, help you do the battle better. That's my role. <laughs> you know. Nice. <laughs> yeah. I really, I play tabletop gaming. And so that really resonated. Like, what can you do with four hit dice a level? You know, like the highest you're going to get is like a quarter of your tank, you know, your tanks out there at some point just like taking it up being all beefy yeah (laughs) that's awesome and support people are people and it's just really cool that you are the star of like there's like it seems like you've been really empowered to like follow the things that you want to do and like you are like the main character in your own life and I just think that's really awesome like yeah especially the way that you're talking about like being a support person I just want people to know that support people should still be the main character in their own life basically and sure yeah, yeah that's going nowhere yeah. in particular <laughs> <laughs> no, welcome to my world just rambling in circles i just don't know what i'm talking about no i mean i disagree though i think that was going somewhere i think that's that yeah. <laughs> you know it's a really cool thing when we talk about punk rock and evolving world i think what we see more and more as we watch like the dichotomy of punk rock tumble between like being a wasted youth and being like an adult who like has you know ambition and potential and cares about things is like we really start to see like communities rise you know what I mean like you know like between our friends in Hawaii like that's such a strong community and there's so much support in that or like even all of our friends in San Diego like you guys have a killer friend circle in San Diego that all revolves around punk rock and the fact that you guys have that in common but like also comes with the fact that it's full of so many people who genuinely give a shit about themselves genuinely give a shit about each other you know Mm -hmm. what i mean and like as we start to see the world progress i think like that is punk in an evolving world is to be like a caring person to be somebody who's willing to support the people around them instead of just being like uh i you know like that weird old narcissistic like jargon of punk rock to just be like i'm gonna fucking get wasted and i'm careless and I'm apathetic and I'm all of these things like I think it's starting to become a much more outward focused culture and I think I just want to pick up on that I've had this thought like three times during our conversation this morning just that everything is so interconnected now like it's not like everything exists in silos Matt you brought something up about that earlier in our conversation and I just wanted to like acknowledge that like yeah just acknowledge that point that like yeah everything it's you can't it's not just scenes that are breaking down and musical boundaries that are breaking down it's like literally the world and what people do and like we all like everything impacts everything I feel like I think you were talking about like training yeah you were talking about 
how when you work with people, you talk about sleep and you talk about lifestyle and you talk about all that different stuff. And it's because like everything literally is interconnected. All of these things do affect each other. They don't just exist like in a silo. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and you know, you brought up the pissed earlier and I have brought this up a few times throughout this like podcast series, but you know, the biggest thing that built like my entire ethos and like my perception on punk rock was the line, it's not enough to be a punk, you got to be a human being. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, we need to acknowledge the fact that we're human beings. And I think like what you're doing is really important because like, I mean, you kind of have to start with the base level of being a human being, which is like, you know, sustaining being a human being. If you're not taking care of yourself, you're essentially killing yourself. Right. So, (laughs) yeah, if anything, your work has like the most impact because you're impacting individual people. Like, it's so cool. You can see the progress. Yeah, absolutely. And just like kind of opening that door of like this form of self-care that I feel like is very neglected in, you know, our scene and and just in the stigma of like punk rock, you know, like a lot of times, you know, like I talked about earlier, like just health and fitness are just not things that you would look towards um, often, you know what I mean? And just breaking down that wall of like taking care of yourself, like feeling better. There's so much you can do in this category, like just for me, like my own personal experience, like the impact it's had on my mental health, the impact it's had on my own self image. Like I never identified as somebody who was strong growing up, you know, or like athletic in any way, you know, and I still don't think I'm those things very much. Like I actually do. I feel like I'm pretty strong, but like athletic and eh, not so much. I've gotten a little better, but like, those are <laughs> things that you can like, you can invest time into and see, like, I was blown away when I put the effort into myself that, the types of changes that I saw in my life that had nothing to do with aesthetics. You know what I mean? Just completely internal, the way I felt just my energy throughout the day, you know, the way I felt like I had a bad, pretty bad case of sleep apnea, but I lost a little bit of weight and got rid of that. Like things like that, where it was like, it just bettered my life in so many ways that I, and I've seen so much benefit from it and I tend to just love learning about it. So it's just like, felt like a no brainer that I'd try to advocate for it for other people, you know? That's awesome. Are there any kind of conflicts with like your personal ethos and like professional ethos? Like, Mm, yeah. (laughs) Oh, really? Really? I mean, no, I mean, not like in any negative way. I think it's just the, there's always that feeling of like, I'm trying to do this for a living yet feel bad charging money. (laughs) You know what I mean? Mm. Like, that's always a huge Because like, this is something that like, I'm very passionate about. And also like, I genuinely feel that I can help people sometimes. And I would never want money to be a reason why I'm not doing that. And I feel like I also got to eat and I got to keep the lights on, you know? So like there is, I definitely have already felt that tension very much of like wanting this to be accessible to the people that need it and the people that I want to work with while also finding a way to still live my life. So, I mean, I still have a day job. I still work at a cafe a few times a week and I just do both, you know, and I'm trying to work more towards doing the nutrition stuff more often, but I definitely have felt that to where it's like, that's, that's a big thing that I've struggled with just internally. You know, it's like, where's, you know, what is my time worth? What am I worth? What is, you know, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know if you guys have struggled with that in your personal lives before, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, (laughs) fucking daily. (laughs) 
my question in regards to what you're you're saying here is do you ever feel do you ever feel pressured or like conflicted about like making bad choices for yourself because your profession is to like try to keep people on track like how do you how do you battle that like drinking and stuff and things like that like okay midnight fucking jack-in-the-box runs going to (laughs) i don't know if you have um fucking roberto's taco shop and oh so good so So, i don't mean for me it's like i think that's one of the stigmas i want to break down is like you don't have to be fucking perfect you know and i've definitely felt it like within the scene like making myself known that i'm doing this and people being i don't know almost like like not wanting to drink around me or something where it's like dude i got a beer right now you know what i mean like and it's like you can have you can drink and be a totally healthy person like there's so many layers to this like there's something I always bring up where it's like you know we tend to think of things as so black and white like drinking it's bad for you and you shouldn't do it if you want to be healthy but if you're somebody who genuinely gets a ton of value out of going out and having a couple beers with your friends after a long week and talking to your friends and having a beer or two elevates that experience like there's emotional health, there's mental health, there's like community, like feelings that are very integral to your health. And so looking at it as like, oh, I don't go out and drink anymore because that's unhealthy. When like me going out to a show and having a couple of drinks, I would argue is one of the healthiest things that I do because it makes me feel so good. And there's so many things that like, yeah, okay, I stayed up late and I stay and I didn't get the greatest sleep that night and I had a couple drinks. On paper, that probably looks like an unhealthy thing, but what it gives me like internally from just like enjoyment. And I'm like, you know, when you, we all have that feeling of like seeing a kick-ass show that kind of glow and that buzz you have for a couple days afterwards, like mm-hmm. tell me that's unhealthy. You know what I mean? And like, yeah, the soreness, even like if you're in the yeah. pit and stuff and just like, yeah, <laughs> languishing in that. Oh, it's so, yeah. Yeah. So I, I think there's so many layers to it where there's people who, if they went out and drank and saw a show, they wouldn't get what I get from it. And maybe that would be an unhealthy thing for them. So it's always contextual, you know, like I think it's, that's the one thing that irks me so much about the diet and fitness in- industry is there's just no one size fits all approach. Like, just because something worked for you doesn't mean it's going to work for somebody else. And just because, you know, like you see things spread like wildfire, like keto was very popular um, recently and in the last couple of years. And there's nothing wrong with that diet, but to tell everybody that that's what they should do is way off. You know what I mean? Cause that's not going to work for everybody. And it's just like that kind of stuff. Like that's what I find is so interesting is it's, so much more about the person it's what's you know in your head it's what's between your ears that really changes what works for you and what doesn't there's like this whole mindset side of things that's so important you know for sure yeah totally i mean you know as uh, as one of your clients i think one of the really interesting things about working with a nutrition coach regardless of the fact that it's you and that we grew up together and stuff is from my point of view when I because I travel a lot Mm. um and when I do that I definitely am like I'm traveling I can fuck off you know what I mean from like my normal (laughs) dietary routines and habits diet travels with you like (laughs) it does not that is not accurate (laughs) I was drinking at like fucking 8 a.m every morning in Ireland I was like oh, the sun's up. I guess it's time for beer. Um, So that's not accurate at all. 
But like, you know, I think one of the really interesting parts of being like working with a nutrition coach is that from the client's like point of view, it feels like you're going to disappoint your coach if you fuck up. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And like, what would you tell people in terms of that stigma? Because I, I feel like that's a very real stigma in your industry as well. For sure. The kind of like drill sergeant mentality. It's like, like why don't you just stick to the plan? You know, like that's not you can go online and just like look at information. If all you care about is sticking to a plan, you know, like my job is to help people overcome the things that, that are, are holding them back. You know, it's like, Hey, when I go on vacation, I, you know, can't stick to my diet. It's like, okay, we need to simplify then obviously doing this while you're out of town is not sustainable for you, not feasible for you. So what is, you know, and it's like, I think again, we just look at things as black or white. You're sticking to the plan or you're not you're on it or you aren't, or you aren't. And it's like, okay, how, what if we had levels to that? What if there was like a good, better, best, whereas like best is you obviously sticking to exactly what we were talking about and all the things you feel comfortable doing, but life fucking gets in the way. Sometimes there's two things. And I didn't make this up. I heard this on another podcast, but there's two things that are undefeated. One is time. And the other is randomness. You can't fucking combat those things. They're always going to play a factor, you know? So mm-hmm being on vacation or having a stressful week, like simplify it, you know, like you don't have to do nothing, but can you just like, just stay hydrated? Something simple where it's like, seems so little that it wouldn't matter, but like it's time over time steam, like kind of getting the ball rolling and just keeping that momentum going rather than coming to a grinding hall every time something changes. Cause that's another thing I see a lot is people being like, ah, it's just not the right time. It's not the perfect time. I got to wait for the perfect time. And it's like, it's never going to be one. There's nope. always going to be something, you know? And it's mm-hmm. like, if you're waiting for the perfect time, then the thing that you're trying to do is probably not sustainable or not. It's just too difficult for your lifestyle and just ease it back, man. Like, you know, like there's so much gray area. You can just start with trying to drink more water like that's a totally valid and healthy place to just start working on feeling better like hydration is huge you know what i mean you don't have to change shit about what you eat just mm-hmm. try to drink some more water like it can be that simple but i think a lot of times people just get motivated and want to you know they're like today's the day we're doing it we're doing all the things and you know the more things you're juggling at once the harder it is to keep them all going you know yeah, for sure. I'm that client. <laughs> I'm that client. <laughs> so that's just the one of the, the, I mean, everybody is. I struggle with it still too, you know, like I'm trying to do, like I've really tried to like, you know, on the days I work from home, like sometimes I'm just a fucking mess. Like I'm all over the place. I work five minutes on one thing, five minutes on another, and I'm just completely out of my mind and I get nothing done, you know, and just like, it just happens. That's just a part of life sometimes is being able to be like, hey, like, Let's just, let's just uh, start again tomorrow. It's totally fine. You know, like just being able to like accept that, like, it's never going to go according to plan, like fucking up and failing. It's, it's just bake that into the, into the pie. Cause that's going to be a part of it. You know, Sure. Mm-hmm. do you have anything that you want to promote? Do you have a website or like, how can people find you? Uh, I'm just on like Facebook and Instagram. That's it. I don't have a website or anything yet. Kind of working on that stuff. But right now it's just Instagram at Matt D underscore nutrition. And yeah, just facebook.com slash Matthew Donner. And that's, I just post videos and content and I do like live videos every Monday. Um, stuff like that. I just put out free information, try to just 
help people with practical stuff, you know? And uh, yeah, if you ever like feel like you want to work with a coach or anything like that, like I, I do that as well. But I also just like put out a lot of info just online, you know? That's awesome. Nice. <laughs> and yeah, as far as promoting stuff, I mean, just I always want to just like shout out my my local bands, you know, just all the buddies here in San Diego that are killing it. We just have such a, a solid and like thriving scene right now. Oh, shoot. I wrote them all down so that I wouldn't forget, but I just closed the page. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> I was like, I don't want to forget anybody. So let me write this down and I just closed the page. <laughs> but All Beat Up, one of my favorite local bands, closed down, Zaniac. There's so many rad local bands here in San Diego that you should check out and, and look at. Um, the scene here has just been so awesome lately and everybody's so supportive and like lifting everybody up. So it's just been fantastic. So I just want to shout out shout out the local bands you know awesome yeah dude also we try to title every episode with a lyric from a punk rock song and do you Mm. have any lyrics that you think would be relevant to your episode of out on an island (laughs) um i'd like deliberated over this for a long time i feel like the easiest one is just like i want to be well by the ramones (laughs) that's great dude That's (laughs) that's great great but i was like uh there's like yeah, no, that's the one. Everything else is like too morbid. <laughs> yeah, punk rock is a, it's a, yeah. you either find way too much positivity in like terms of like coming off like, okay, well, calm down now. Or you yeah. find a lot of pessimism and like, especially in like the scene and, or like the particular sect of punk rock that I like, it's a lot of pessimism. Yeah. Well, there's that song. It's just called uh, Ordinary People Do Fucked Up Things When Fucked Up Things Become Ordinary which is very valid to just our world right now. But also I feel is like kind of like puts the nail on the head with like the diet and fitness industry. It's like the things that are normal and are told, you know, by the fitness industry, like what people are told to do is really fucked up and actually really bad for your long-term health because people are so focused on, you know, those quick transformations, they want that before and after photos. So they'll do anything to get that from their client, even if it leaves them in a worse off place when they're done. And so, and I feel like a lot of the general information, if you ask anybody what you should do to be healthy, it's like eat less and move more, which, Mm -hmm. you know, is valid, but sometimes that is, it only works for so long. And if your game is always eat less, move more, usually end up in a pretty bad place eventually, because you shouldn't always be racing to the bottom of just like, I just need to eat less. Like you should be fueling your body and feeling good. And so, yeah, I think that was another one that I had brought up as like a, as a title, but that just seemed too, too aggressive. <laughs> well, good thing we do, we do song and band shout outs. So both of those are going to make it on the, on our playlist that out on an Island <laughs> playlist. Yeah. And then do you have a therapy song that you think people should be listening to? I'd like to, Ooh. that's on Spotify. That's on Spotify. Uh, Let me see. What's one of my favorites that we've been playing lately? I've always, okay, this is an old song. It's from our first EP, but we have a song called Menace that I just always really like that song. And whenever you always think about like, oh, if if somebody was first hearing your band, what song do you want them to hear? That one always just kind of pops into my head. I just like that song a lot. Although it's like, we have way newer stuff and like that song's been out for years. I just, it's just one of my favorites to play and to like listen back to Cool. Thanks. I'm excited to throw those. Up. I love Propaganda too. So like when you said that, I got super happy. <laughs> That's one of those bands that I just like talking about 
you know, kind of just stumbling onto stuff. Like when I went to Borders, like it was, I think it was Less Talk, More Rock. I can't remember which CD it was, but I just bought a Propagandi CD. I didn't know who they were. And I just like was, I don't know. I just bought it based on the cover and like good thing I did because yeah, it's one of my favorite bands of all time for sure. That's cool. That's cool that you guys are in Propagani so much love right now. They actually follow our Instagram. So are you oh, really? fucking serious? Yeah. <gasps> yeah. <laughs> Is it yeah, because that's sick. Oh my gosh. We, yeah, it's I, because we used one of their their lyrics for a title and they yeah. they were stoked about it. So they actually started following our Instagram. <laughs> oh, yeah. They didn't even know. Oh that's so <laughs> sweet. <laughs> um, um but yeah, dude, uh Cool. I think it's a pretty good place to wrap up. Once again, this is Matthew Donner, San Diego. If you're in the area, I can't, or, you know, even virtually, uh, I can't recommend a better fitness coach. So if you guys are looking for those services, hit him up. Matt, thank you so much for taking the time. Absolutely. Oh, super happy to be here. I was excited for this and it was fun talking. You know, it's, I feel like we could go on for hours more and I have a ton that I would also say and add to this, but I'm just so happy to uh, be a part of this. I'm stoked. Yeah, dude. I mean, you know, we can always do a revisitation episode later, later Absolutely. on. Absolutely. I'd be psyched. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, awesome. Thank you so much for your time and everything. And uh, hopefully we'll be seeing you on Instagram and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I'll be here. I'll be here doing my thing out of my room. Ha, ha, ha.